This week's episode is brought to you by Fairy Godmother Travel, the official travel agency of Communicore Weekly. Email Communicore Weekly at fairygodmothertravel.com to book your vacation today. Again, visit fairygodmothertravel.com and tell them we sent you. Welcome to Season 3! Hello, and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. It's almost holiday time, George. Are you excited? I thought you were going to say it's almost Halloween. I was like, yeah. It's only 327 days till Halloween, George. Aren't you excited? <laughs> well, depending on what day we're recording this. <laughs> as of right now, that's my best guesstimate of when Halloween's well, going to be. It's probably as good as anybody else. That's true. That's a fair point. That's true. I, so yeah, uh, I guess the, the holidays, I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be some time off of work. And, heck yes, I get two weeks off. Two weeks? Oh, that's right, you work at an S-C-H-O-O-L. We don't want everybody to know. Well, come most visit people you do like, know already. Like Justin scared. Yeah, yeah. Well, everybody knows my office number because of Justin. So <laughs> if they do want to visit me, they know exactly where to find me. <laughs> Just not during those two weeks that I'm off from school. Exactly, exactly. Because they don't have anybody to talk to. Yeah. So uh, we have the second half of Michelle's trip report mm. to the D23 Attraction Rewind weekend. And I'm super psyched to hear how day two went. Are you super psyched? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I've already heard it. I was talking to you. I, I mean, was talking to the audience. George. Oh, sorry. Why See, do you just assume that. I'm talking to you all the time? Who else is there in your life but me? All right. Point taken. I'll take okay. that. Okay. Let's, let's go to the trip report and let's listen to Michelle and not you. So on episode 152, the one before this one, Michelle told us all about day one, which was really a look at the 1964-1965 New York World's Fair and the Disney pavilions that were there and and sort of what happened to them. Uh, On this segment, we're going to hear all about day two, which was more or less the attraction rewind portion and apparently had a pretty spectacular presentation by the mustache. All right, so let's move on to day two and uh, let's talk a little bit about what happened there. So it was kind of like a retrospective, you know, parts of it about stuff that we have now lost and we severely miss and wish wish we're back again or? Yeah, it... It was at times. It it went back and forth. So it started off with a really wonderful presentation uh, by Becky Klein and by Stacia Martin. Um, I know that everybody walked away huge fans of the two of them, especially Stacia. Um, yeah, Stacia's was, wonderful. And I met her very briefly the very first day, and she was very kind and very understanding. Um, so yeah, we started off by looking at Mark Davis's Snow Queen, um, and we actually got to then do uh, sort of a, a walkthrough, if you will. Uh, they took some of his concept art, um, they found new concept art they hadn't known of before, they put it together, and then they also put it together with Jeff Crawford's scoring that he had found that was original scoring that he had um, 
played it. That is awesome. It it yeah, it brought down the house. <laughs> wow. They also uh, one of the elements of this weekend was that they gave us these things called stamped D twenty three, which is a, a, a technology that you can use on touch screens that then um, unlocks locked areas of web content. So uh, we can now rewatch that same thing. Interesting. Um, which was really great because there were times where you were just so blown over by it um, that now <laughs> I can watch it again and again. And I really like that. They also, a couple other elements um, were shown that we could rewatch, um, including some of the introductions and um, we would have these little interstitial moments where we had an announcer from um, the Carousel Progress who was kind of leading us through our, our whole weekend. Um, and we also had interstitials of the um, characters from the Adventurers Club, um, which I sadly am just not familiar with based upon mm. my age. Yeah, some of <laughs> us are in the same age bracket. <laughs> yeah. there, there's another person currently on the line right now who may have been there. <clears throat> George, but Sorry, not to like give away anybody's. Yeah, Sorry, exactly. What? What? Um, so <laughs> I, I know one. Uh, there was a lot of up, not uproar, but a lot of activity on Twitter uh, at the end of that second day for a certain presentation that was talking about live entertainment. What what can you tell us about that one? Yeah, um, <laughs> that still has me talking. So <laughs> I didn't really know what it was going to be. All we knew was that it was just going to be about entertainment. And we had uh, the fellow who had been running entertainment at uh, at Walt Disney World through the 80s, which, as we all know, was a very interesting time in, in entertainment, <laughs> theater, and public taste. Um, yeah. So he took us through some um, really interesting uh, choices that were made at Epcot. The presenter himself, one of the most interesting parts is that he is now a professor. So he, um, again, kind of going to what people like to listen to. Uh, his paycheck also doesn't come from Disney anymore. And he was very clear about that. <laughs> that is wow. awesome. He was very clear that he um, was going to speak very off the cuff. Um, he would even say at times, they told me not to say this, and I'm going to say it anyway. Um, he <laughs> would kind of fly in the face of what we were supposed to know. Um, and some of the things that he talked about were really confusing. <laughs> um, so he talked in depth about the scoliascope uh, at Epcot. Um, Dragon which boats. Was, which was subtitled uh, Magical Rainbows. And he explained that he didn't know why it was subtitled Magical Rainbows either. Um, so <laughs> I, I will read to you the best I can tell you about my notes for this. Um, <laughs> So this is where uh, this there was airplanes, there were boats, there was live entertainment. Um, the FAA was involved in this. Uh, they had all sorts of moving elements. Um, they had dragon boats. Uh, they had planes that had to take off certain. We heard a lot about the regulations of the planes, um, and in the end, we realized why. And the reason why was because, um, unfortunately, the reason why the show ended was due to a death with one of the performers. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really it was really refreshing to hear bluntly um, some of the concern that they had. You know, the, the FAA told them they could keep going. And um, he decided, Ron Logan decided, no, we're not going to, out of respect. Oh, wow. So it was, it was really moving to hear him talk in depth about what it meant to that family, what it meant to 
uh, the other performers to say, although we are allowed to keep performing, we choose not to. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kept emphasizing the risks that they that they did take. They had hovercrafts. Um, it was called the Epcot Navy. Um, they had mo- motorized surfboards. Um, they also had a very unusual storyline. I'm going to try my best to explain. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Okay, so Dreamfinder is the host, and it involves his blimp, um, which was actually peddled by Ron Schneider, um, so you could see him live. Uh, We, so Dreamfinder is bringing some gumdrops to the lagoon uh, to make rainbows. If you add water to gumdrops, they make rainbows, but if you add, or sorry, if you add water to gumdrops, they make dragons, and dragons themselves eat rainbows. I am so confused. Uh-huh. This is why I wrote it down. <laughs> so, Dreamfinder leads to gumdrops, which leads to water, which leads to dragons, which leads to eating rainbows, and all of this is because we want to make rainbows. I'm not really sure how the cannibalism works in there, but it must, <laughs> because if you are made of gumdrops and gumdrops also make rainbows but you eat rainbows which are made of gumdrops somewhere in there you were eating yourself didn't they have just bought skittles right (laughs) um so that ended in 1987 and we also heard a second really great story which was about the epcot circus spectacular of 1987 i remember that show and progress city um has uh, michael crawford d23's michael crawford has um actually has uh, some of the footage up on his YouTube page mm-hmm. uh, so you can watch it uh, and this involved a lot of dangerous stunts, no nets and I just walked away thinking I don't want to see somebody die at Epcot <laughs> well not now uh, but back then you probably well, wanted to see it happen really like yeah. as a five year old, six year old I remember I like I have VHS footage of that and it's actually I have it on my YouTube channel too of like a little beat brief portion of it but I was fascinated by it like there's a circus at Epcot, this is great <laughs> yeah, we first visited the year after it was there, and I'm I'm a little sad. Michelle, you I missed out. I'm to... telling you, you totally missed out. Yeah, um, but one thing that he really emphasized is um, you don't work for Disney unless you're a class act, and that mm. was really interesting. That that was one of the ways that we we were closing out um, our day. Um, he really was old school Disney. Yeah. It was so clear that the people that he was hired under. Um, he talked a little bit about Frank Wells. Uh, who slept all day during the day and only worked at night. That is um, interesting. <laughs> and uh, about uh, Dick Nunes. And he really had a, a really high class barrier about what the decision making that they had was. And it's one of the reasons why he's so upset about um, Spectre Magic and the Main Street Electrical Parade. He took us through, I had to make a chart to understand <laughs> all the things he <laughs> said to us about the Main Street Electrical Parade and Spectre Magic and the anger that he had about the company um, capitalizing off of people's nostalgia, which was an interesting mm-hmm. thing at uh, Attractions Rewind. <laughs> capitalizing mm-hmm. off their nostalgia by, by having these goodbye tours, um, and that each of the parks then said, I want my goodbye tour too, and I want my goodbye tour. Um, so uh, that was very intriguing as well interesting but it sounded like it was a pretty uh, action-packed weekend that you had there a lot of it things was. going on there were some surprises as well um surprises of note so um there was a d23 uh, archives exhibit uh, uh the exhibit was really underwhelming it was smaller uh, than my hotel room <laughs> <laughs> wow it consisted of three stand-up displays um it had 
four large items, including uh, the, the figment, uh, a bear from Maelstrom, um, a pig and a horse from... Um, the World of Motion. World of Motion, yes. Um, and then they also had one of those... I'm going to remember, not remember the name. One of those old-fashioned 3D printing machines <laughs> um, that was at the World oh. Fair. The, 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 yeah, the oh, the Moldoramas. Yeah. Moldoramas, That's thank it. you. Yes, there was a Moldorama from the 1964 World's Fair, and then they had a big surprise, which was that they turned it on during the lunch break, um, which was difficult because so many people needed to leave to go eat lunch because there's just not enough capability for everybody to eat in the contemporary. So if you left to go get lunch, then you didn't get to watch it. Um, and then some people were also one to... Um, the what they were making so you could take that away um the second day we also had um a surprise which was that they had recreated world key and mm -hmm. the original video games the touchscreen video games awesome from, jealous uh, from epcot uh, and that we could go play those on ipads because they said the technology still exists <laughs> <laughs> rebuild it um uh. and we did um and then the the store, I, I feel like it's worth warranting kind of mentioning about the fact that they had the Mickeys of Glendale. Um, mm -hmm. I've been to the real Mickeys of Glendale before. This, uh, this pop-up version of it um, emphasized a lot of the pins. Um, and it also <laughs> had a lot of the uh, stuff from the uh, sponsors, which were Twinings and H2O. So wow. it was disappointing. <laughs> um, there was some beautiful prints of... Um, some of the It's a Small World artwork and the Tower of the Four Winds. Um, I did not walk away with any purchases. The first day, there was a line that was over two hours long. Oh, I'm sure. It's always um, that kind of line. And the second and third day, you could walk in. Oh, <laughs> of wow. course. Because everyone got their, their goods on the first day and then sold out, yeah. and then that was it. And then the last kind of big thing of note was the fact that um, uh, the amazing Bob Gurr who also clearly bucked everything that was told to him uh, about <laughs> by the D23 people, set up his own meet and greet along with his own photo pass person. Oh my uh, gosh. Just outside of the entrance of the ballroom. And I feel like that they could regulate him in the ballroom, but not outside of it. Um, so <laughs> Bob Gurr follows no rules. <laughs> he, he does not. Him and his red shoes were toward the biggest hit of oh. the weekend. Oh yeah. Do not uh, follow anybody's rules. So he set up his own meet and greet. I accidentally ended up in line. Um, <laughs> and, um, got an amazing big hug from him. He signed my my badge. She was very very sweet. Um, and then uh, I also had my very first encounter with uh, Sir Tony Baxter. Whoa! <laughs> I you were Baxter. Any, I did not have any encounter with him out in the lobbies or anything. Even though I. I I had many missed opportunities where an elevator I just got off of, somebody said, oh, he was here, or at a monorail I just got off of, oh, he was here. Um, but he he walked us through his entire plan for, um, for Discovery, Discovery Land Bay. and Discovery Bay in, oh. in excruciating detail, but everyone loved it so much. And he frequently uh, dropped in hints that Bob, anytime you want to rehire me, I'm, I would love to complete these projects. That's kind of hilarious, and hopefully they actually do make that happen. <laughs> yes, and then that was um, one of the things that we can now rewatch with our stamped um, item. Ooh. We also oh, are getting cool. new content every first week of the month until May, um, but only the people that have the stamped item can get it. 
and I, I, I have mixed feelings about that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I guess to kind of wrap up your uh, trip report, what was your favorite uh, part of the entire weekend? Oh, definitely the Tony Baxter presentation. I got as close as I could for it. The first four <laughs> rows uh, were the um, were the thousand dollar level uh, seats that you could have. Oof, jeez. And then in the fifth row, <laughs> you could get just as good of a view um, and, and see Tony up close. Uh, it was it it was mind boggling and spectacular and wonderful, and I'm in love. <laughs> that's that's wow. awesome. I'm yes. jealous. I'm jealous that you went, but uh, I'm glad that you did. It was my very first D23 event. Um, I'm so sad I wasn't able to go to the other ones because of schedule issues. Mm -hmm. um, it took a lot of deciding whether or not this was going to be a worthwhile event. It was. Um, the cost of, of going to the silver membership was uh, greater than the d discount that you were going to receive, so it actually was a wash. Um, oh. Then if you know if you were free and you bought the ticket, or if you got the silver membership and you got a ticket, you were still you were still um, at a discount, so I, I bothered to get the, the silver membership. The really um, poor management of it was that the day that they opened registration on Friday morning to go pick up your information, they also sent out emails to the silver D23 members that they were discontinuing silver membership. And oh, they are yeah. now going to gold and gold plus. Interesting. Mm -hmm. They like that plus word for everything, don't they? Right. So, so hello, welcome, glad that you joined us at the silver level. We're taking it away. If you like this place, <laughs> no. then you're going to have to up your membership. Ah, oh, jeez. Wow. But even uh, you know, aside from plus gold plus membership, aside, I'm very jealous. I didn't get to go. Mm -hmm. um, I did relive it through your Twitter feed and many others throughout that weekend. So it was cool to see that, and I'm glad you got to you know, expand upon it a little more for us uh, to make me even more jealous. Oh, yeah. um, totally jealous. Just, just a teensy tiny bit. But thank you for coming on to talk to us about it. We both really appreciate it. And mm -hmm. uh, for everyone who is not already following Michelle, you can follow her at Minnesota Mini on Twitter. And Mini, like, like uh, Minnie Mouse. Like Minnie Mouse, yes. Not like, like Minnie Marshmallows. No, because <laughs> though delicious, incorrect in the yes. spelling. Yes. <laughs> Any final parting thoughts, Michelle? No, if if you're interested, you can see my my watch alongs that I do occasionally, where I I, I live tweet out watching um, old Disney specials from the 70s and the 80s, which are hilarious. May I add, you guys should definitely follow her just for that alone because it adds some <laughs> interesting parts to my workday when I see them happen. <laughs> All productivity stops, and I kind of watch along with you. But again, thank you very much for coming yes. on, and uh, hopefully we can get you out here for uh, the D23 Expo this coming year. I'll see. Yeah, me too. He's a nerd. He's a geek. Because we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. This week's book is Two Guys Named Joe by John K. Maker, published in 2010, 208 pages. This is a, a book that sat on my shelf unopened for almost four years, and I can't figure out why. Uh, John Canemaker, if I can say his name right, uh, is an animation historian extraordinaire and has written a wonderful book about two Joes, Joe Ranft and Joe Grant, that both influenced the Disney Studios and Pixar very heavily. We've covered books by Canemaker before, including Before the Animation Begins and The Art and Flair of Mary Blair. His other book, uh, On the Nine Old Men, is a must-have for fans of Disney animation. 
So, uh, a little bit about K-Maker. He's an animation historian, an animator, and a professor of film animation at New York University's Tisch School of the Arts. And he is a very successful author with seven books, three just about Disney animation, and hundreds of essays and articles to his name. Uh, Mr. K-Maker is also noted for several award-winning short films. Now, this book itself is actually divided between Ramped and Grant, with Ramped getting the first part of the book. So in the beginning of the book, we learn a lot about Rant's early life and how he was a very large child and was always getting in trouble. Like me. Eventually, yeah, I was going to say, well, it's the getting in trouble part. Yeah, so, yeah, that part. I'm assuming your mom claims that you were still very skinny back then. I weigh the same as when I was born. <laughs> Good. Well, eventually, Rant channeled his energy and passion into magic tricks and drawing, but not before being ousted from a school or two. Apparently, he got in trouble with some nuns. And that's all we'll say. You'll have to read the book. Uh, we do follow him through his stint at CalArts, Disney, and eventually Pixar. A lot of Rant's talents were in storyboarding and being able to get a lot of emotion and story into the storyboard process. He was part of the Pixar Brain Trust and was instrumental in the Toy Story films and most of the early Pixar films. He was also a champion, uh, champion of Tim Burton and worked on many of his first projects. Ramp did pass away in 2005, and his memorial service, which is sort of covered in the book, uh, is very touching. And you realize how much this one guy had an influence on John Lasseter and Pixar and animation for many years to come. So the section on Joe Grant is a bit different, considering he was a storyboard artist that found his career bookended, basically, by two separate careers at Disney. He started as a story artist in 1933, working on the short Mickey's Gala premiere. He also uh, created The Evil Queen and Snow White. He co-wrote Dumbo and worked on the development of Fantasia and Pinocchio. And as you learn in the book, as he found success and Walt's ear, he also found a lot of enemies within the studio. Kane Maker discusses how Grant created the story department and sort of stocked it full of the best artists uh, in order to push his own projects. And in some cases, he was almost as powerful as Walt Disney at the studios. Grant left the studio in 1949 and ran a very successful ceramic and greeting card business. He returned to the studio in 1989 to work on Beauty and the Beast and worked on almost every film until Mulan. And he passed away in 2005 while at his drawing board in his studio. Really? Yeah, passed right there. So, Wow. Um, two guys named Joe with the subtitle Master Animation Storytellers is a wonderful look at two incredibly influential storyboard artists and storytellers. In addition to offering a look at how Joe and Joe became artists, we also see how Disney and Pixar worked at different times and how they worked with different personalities. The artwork featured is beautiful. Some of it was created by Ramp and Grant for the various films, and some of it was created by their friends and fellow artists. There's a lot of great caricatures in this book that really bring the two Joes to life in a way that you wouldn't expect otherwise. So if you have any interest in any of the films and shorts they worked on, then you need to get a copy of this book. Also, if you're just a fan of animation and the Disney Studio history, this is another amazing book for you to add to your collection. This week's book is Two Guys Named Joe by John Kingmaker. What we liked, what we didn't like, he's in the booze, 60-second review. Okay, so like 
probably most of the world uh, except Jeff, I had no idea what to expect with the release of Guardians of the Galaxy in the theaters this past summer. I wasn't really familiar with the property, and I wasn't sure how well a movie released in August was actually going to do, since that's a slow time for studios. Uh, and, of course, we all know the story of it, but the Blu-ray release of the film has been highly anticipated, and the film itself has often been referred to as the Star Wars of this generation. I actually have read uh, the comic books, especially the, <laughs> the earlier run uh, in the 70s, before my time, but I did read it. Uh, and to some extent, some of the current run as well. And I knew it was going to be like this bizarre sci-fi mashup that would really take the Marvel Cinematic Universe to new heights and kind of out of its comfort zone in a lot of ways. And I, I was right. And I, for those of you that actually saw it in the theaters when it first came out, I think we can all agree that it actually was the sleeper hit of the summer because it was highly anticipated and it just blew so many people away. Mm -hmm. You know, the movie was amazing on the big screen. I loved it so much. Everyone in my family was really excited to watch it again once we got the, the review copy, uh, especially my 11-year-old superhero-addicted child, which you guys have heard on the show before. Uh, the movie itself, I thought, held up really well on the smaller screen. I guess it depends on the size of your TV. And I was able to catch so many more details that I missed out before, including some tie-ins to the current season, season two of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I was pretty excited about. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is a great addition to the cinematic Marvel Universe, and I can't wait to see if there are going to be any tie-ins with the other films, like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy meet Scarlett Johansson. I'm okay with that movie idea. Okay. Let's okay, green light good. that one. Uh, let's go for it. Let's go for <laughs> um, it. I really thought I had like the perfect balance of like sci-fi action and comedy and, and heart. And I think all that mixed together really helped the film succeed. And considering that really no one outside of comic nerds really knew who these guys were, it's kind of fantastic to see them fit right into the Marvel mode, uh, the mold, and kind of be accepted. Um I really don't think it could have been any more perfect. James Gunn was the perfect guy to bring this world to life. And I think that Marvel has been taking a lot of risk with their movies. And they all have paid off so far. They know what they're doing. And it's just great to finally have this film on Blu-ray to watch again and again and again and again. <laughs> yes, over and over. My, my oldest son, he invited his best friend to go with us to the theater. And his parents came along too. And they're not superhero fans or sci-fi action adventure fans at all. And I know they don't listen to the show. And they love the film. Uh, the movie looks so good on Blu-ray. Uh, I, it, it wasn't really... I lost myself in the theater. And, you know, watching it on the Blu-ray, I was a little more critical of what I was looking at. Tried to find something. There was not one point in that whole film where Groot and Rocket didn't look completely real to they me. They look totally real! And I thought, this is, this is probably one of the first movies where you've had total CG characters that just were were peerless they were amazing um yeah. but so uh you know it looked fantastic and it sounded really really good and you can't say enough about the movie especially the great 1970s pop songs that are floating in and out of the whole film really gave it the character really tied it to us as as people it's a weird thing to say but <laughs> uh, it gave us something for an outer space movie where there's lots of you know blue 
and pink skin aliens, it gave us something to, to latch on to, yeah. I think. It kind of grounded it in some ways, the yeah, soundtrack did. that's it. That's and, what I was looking for. Yeah, Good, thank you. you're welcome. Um, <laughs> I, I really think the soundtrack is like probably one of the best in like the last five, ten years in, in mm-hmm. overall. Like They picked fantastic songs to go along with this movie, and even the score by Tyler Bates is amazing as well. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to say it's the best Marvel movie, but it's probably my favorite uh, it's up there. Maybe, you know, that, this and Winter Soldier are, are up yeah. there. Um, but any movie that has Howard the Duck, I mean, how <laughs> how can you go wrong with with that? But uh, yes. aside from just the movie, there was a bunch of extras on the disc as well. Yes, there were. The extras I thought were really pretty good. Yeah, uh, me too. Better than most of the other extras that Disney, I guess this is Marvel Studios, but Disney usually releases. You know, Disney's often like, they'll put out a release and go, well, just be happy you've got the movie. And we'll give you some extras in 20 years. But, you know, I thought there was a uh, a really good look at uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, which is going to be so dark and so good. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Yes, it is. Uh, you know, they actually talked to Josh Whedon and Kevin Feige, which was awesome. Um, there were a few deleted scenes that they showed from uh, Guardians that actually added to the overall story. And uh, which I was kind of like, well, I wish this would have been in there because it, it really gave some enlightening or made the characters a little better to understand but i guess timing wise they had to pull it uh and and the gag reel which was kind of funny because it wasn't as funny as most gag reels but the movie was already hysterical yeah yeah it was a little little bonus the dance-off scene was awesome yes it was yeah everybody started doing their it was great i'm actually making the motions right now but i realize nobody (laughs) can see me so i look like an idiot so just imagine okay. me doing some of those dance moves, everybody. That's what I'm doing. We right won't now. tell anybody. We won't tell anybody at all. Um, uh, there was a, lo- a longer one called "The Guide to the Galaxy" with James Gunn, which was sort of like a. a there was some lo- a lot of eight-bit interstitials, which was really neat. Yes. And it basically talked about how they designed the world and how much thought was put into it, uh, based on the comics and based on what they had already done in previous films, and how they kept it sort of like a bible that they had written, which was really really nice. Yeah. So. And then, of course, you got the one about Rocket and Groot, which we talked about them, and, you know, that was awesome. Yeah, anyway. they they really, I think, nailed it with these extras. Uh, they, I mean, there, there was a, um, a commentary track by James Gunn as well, which I love commentary tracks, so it was great hearing him talk about it and learning a little bit more about the film and his insights behind it. Uh, and he's an interesting filmmaker to begin with. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen some of his other films before, but he made a film... A handful of years ago with Nathan Fillion uh, called Slither and during the scene with the collector you may see one of the Slither aliens inside mm-hmm. one of the cases which I thought was a nice little nice little tidbit there um, but yeah overall thoroughly impressed with the film and the disc and everything mm-hmm. about it we're basically telling you to go out and buy this movie right now because it's fantastic it's totally yeah. worth your money go get it that's what I say and add it to your Marvel collection heck yes Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. I am not a coffee drinker, but for the Disney lovers that do, they can always visit the Market House at Disneyland, where they serve up some fresh Starbucks every single day. Now, for a long time, the Market House was under refurbishment uh, to make way for Starbucks, and now there's kind of a new story connected to it. Off to the, the side is the book nook a corner of the room where guests can sit and relax and enjoy their coffee. And you'll actually see that Mr. P. Vitti, not P. Diddy, but P. Vitti <laughs> is the bookseller. 
Now, the story behind him is that he is a retired school teacher who always dreamed of running his own little coffee shop on Main Street, and he also hoped to provide a little book nook for his lovely little wife. And after collecting items from various sources, he kind of achieved his goal. And if you're a sharp-eyed person, you'll find a few familiar items among the shop's things, uh, like the pot-bellied stove that's been there for almost 60 years, uh, the checkerboard resting on the barrel, there's five of the original green shaded light fixtures, and the 1890 party line that you can pick up and listen to on the conversations, but you don't want to listen for too long because you got yelled at for eavesdropping, which I did the other day, which was pretty funny. <laughs> um, but now, who is Mr. P. Vitti? Now, we don't really know, but it seems like an awfully specific name to not be a reference to something, so perhaps it's an anagram of all the first letters of the Imagineer names that helps redesign the shop. We're not entirely sure, but... One day we will find out and let you know who P. Vitti is. <laughs> uh, it's not an anagram for Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. Uh, no, not enough letters for that, oh. unfortunately. Yeah. Well, it was worth a shot. Hey, we tried. Anyways, we get to mention the name of the show again. So. Fair enough. In case you don't know what you're <laughs> listening to for the last 30 minutes, here you go. Well, they could have been stuck in a time warp or something. Oh, that's true. Ooh, good Who point. Always that time yeah, travel stuff it. coming back. Yeah, it's all timey-wimey. Um, okay, well, guys, thank you so much for watching and listening to another episode of Communicore Weekly. Yes, please leave us a comment or give us a rating on iTunes. And don't forget, uh, you need to email us at communicoreweekly at gmail.com and tell us your name, your birthday and month, and your postal address for something special. We're mm-hmm. going to tell you a little bit later. Email us at communicoreweekly at gmail.com. And also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Weekly. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Imaginerding. He's at Jeff Heimbuck. And of course, you can always call us on the Communicore Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628. And don't forget, pick up your copy of Communicore Weekly, the musical. Find all about, wow, find out all about the battle for the Magic Kingdom. You can listen to it for free on Spotify and Google Play, or pick up your own copy on Amazon CD Baby or iTunes. And you can find that on the Communa Store at CommunaCrewWithly.com. Click on the store link, shirts, musical, all sorts of fun stuff there. For uh, Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, guys and gals. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. Toilet paper press.